Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is day number 510, and we come to 2 Kings chapter 19 today, and uh, a wonderful, wonderful chapter that we are in today. I've got my coffee here with my Harry Potter mug, quote from Albus Dumbledore. Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. And that's what we're going to see sort of in this chapter. It is the darkest of times. Jerusalem is being laid siege, not actively yet, but it's threatened by the great Assyrian Empire and their army that has marched all over the world and has conquered so many other nations, including Israel and Syria and the Philistines. And now they are here approaching Jerusalem. And two days ago, we looked at chapter 18. It's a very dark time. But Hezekiah will turn to Isaiah, and Isaiah will turn to the Lord, and they will turn on the light, the light of the Lord, and his surpassing power. And that light will penetrate the darkness of this Assyrian invasion. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that you've given to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this time together in 2 Kings 19. We do pray that you would write this word on our hearts this morning, that you would make it alive and real and powerful in our lives. Help us to understand, receive, believe, and respond to your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 19, after I drink a little more coffee. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary, and the senior priests covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace, Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard all the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him, so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. The Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Tirkaha, sorry, Tirhaka, king of Cush. Behold, he has set out to fight against you. So he sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, 
deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria? Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them? The nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the, the, the king of the city of the Shepherdam, the king of Hena, or the king of Iva? Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord. The God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Then Isaiah, the son of Amoz, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have mocked the Lord, and you have said, With my many chariots I have gone up the heights of the mountains to the far recesses of Lebanon. I felled its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses. I entered its farthest lodging place, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank foreign waters, and I dried up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what I now bring to pass, that you should turn fortified cities into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded, and have become like plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before it is grown. But I know you're sitting down, and you're going out, and coming in, and you're raging against me. Because you have raged against me, and your complacency has come into my ears, I will now put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And this shall be the sign for you. This year, eat what grows of itself, 
and in the second year what springs of the same. Then in the third year sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit, and the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward, for out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, or shoot an arrow against there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people came, arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshipping in the house of Nishrach, his god, Adramelech and Sherezer, his sons, struck him down with the sword and escaped into the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. That is 2 Kings chapter 19. It's a wonderful chapter. And actually, it tells the same story that we're, we're building toward in our study of the book of Isaiah on Sunday mornings. We're going to get to Isaiah 37, which is going to tell this same uh, story. And, and there's been many hints and foreshadowings and prophecies that have been sort of pushing the narrative toward that, that climax as we've been working our way through Isaiah together. But this is the great moment. This is the great moment when the Lord answers in a way that is powerful, unrivaled, um, hoped for, and yet unexpected. That's how I'll describe it. This is what Hezekiah is hoping for because he has no way himself to repel the king of Assyria. The Rabshakeh had mocked uh, Judah and Jerusalem in chapter 18 by saying, you know, we'll give you 2,000 horses if you can have 2,000 guys who know how to ride a horse. You can't repel the least of the captains of this great army. And it was true. That's the thing about the words of the Rabshakeh. A lot of what he spoke on the human level was true. Now, when he got to mocking God, when he got to saying, the Lord can't deliver you out of our hand. He was very, very wrong. But you know, the most effective lies contain a great bit of truth. And so this Rabshakeh told a lot of truth. And that is that the people of Jerusalem were completely outnumbered. Now, <clears throat> already so much of Judah had been laid waste. So many key cities within Judah had been laid waste. And so there is no human help whatsoever. So Hezekiah is hoping for some kind of deliverance from the Lord. 
but he's not expecting the answer that God gives. And that is that the angel of the Lord, which could be the Lord Jesus Christ, because most often when we see here the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it is a pre-incarnate appearance, manifestation of God the Son, of the second person of the Trinity. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when, uh, when, when Jacob wrestles with the angel all night, turns out that this is God who has come to him in flesh to wrestle with him. When Samson's parents receive this promise from God that they're going to have a son, it is the angel of the Lord who comes and it turns out that this is God who has come to them in the flesh. When Gideon is being called to, to battle, uh, to, to lead the people of Israel, he's He's confronted by the angel of the Lord, and it turns out that this is God. When Joshua is coming into the promised land, he's confronted by the commander of the hosts of heaven, the commanders of the army, the commander of the armies of the Lord. And that turns out to be God, because he has to take off his feet and worship for the place where he's standing his holy ground. And angels who are merely angels, consistently refuse worship, as we see very clearly in the book of Revelation. So these repeated incidences in the Old Testament where there's the angel of the Lord or the commander of the army of the Lord, it is God. And when God comes in flesh and into creation, that is God the Son. And so we say it's a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's That could be what the angel of the Lord here is. So it could be that Jesus comes and in one night strikes down 185,000. It is possible that it could just, just be an angel because we don't have that kind of direct confirmation here that this wasn't just the angel of the Lord, but actually God himself. Um, but So that's a little bit open to interpretation, but I myself am inclined to believe that it was Jesus who came in his role as judge. Remember, he's going to come at the last day, and he's going to judge all of the earth. And what he does here is he judges the Assyrians by, in a single night, in a single night, wiping out 185,000 of the Assyrians. We have to understand that's, that's more than the combined total that were killed immediately by the two atomic bombs that were dropped on Japan to end World War II. The bomb dropped on Hiroshima, the bomb dropped on Nagasaki. The immediate death toll from those two was somewhere around 110 to 120,000 between the two, maybe 130,000. But this is 185,000. That is massive. That is more than was, you know, the deadliest day in the Civil War. And Tietami had like 27,000, something like that. This is, this is a massive, massive death toll in one night, it so devastates the army of Assyria that the king of Assyria has to turn around and tuck tail and go back home. And that was exactly the goal. And the goal to do this, why the Lord did this, was so clearly laid out in the word that comes from Isaiah, which is laid out for us in this chapter. And that is 
the Lord is the sovereign God. The Lord is the sovereign God. He's actually the one who has enabled the king of Assyria to conquer all of these lands because it's been his judgment against those lands that he's been pleased to use the king of Assyria to carry out. And that's another something that we've been picking up in the book of Isaiah on Sunday mornings is that when nations fall, it's, it's the hand of God. When nations rise, it's the hand of God. The judgment of God is over the nations. And so for him to say to the one who has actually been the one who has given him everything, to say to him, you can't stop me. You can't protect your people against me. Now he's getting a little too big for his britches. He doesn't know what he's talking about or who he's messing with or whose people he's messing with. And so he says, because you have raged against me, verse 28, and your complacency has come into my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. And I will turn you back on the way by which you came. This reminds me of what Nebuchadnezzar would do years and years later when he was ruling over the kingdom of Babylon. And he would be warned in a dream not to exalt himself, not to pride in his own glory. But he would not heed that dream. And he would instead step out and say, Is this not Babylon that I have built by my great power for my great name? And God said, Oh no, it isn't. And that quick... Nebuchadnezzar became insane and was driven from his throne uh, for seven periods of time. And so this is God exercising his sovereignty. And so the lesson we have for today is really very simple. And that is the Lord is the sovereign one who rules over the affairs of the nations, who rules over the details of our lives. He sees all, he knows all, he has foretold all. He has ordained all. That means a couple of things. Number one, we need to give him thanks for every good thing in our lives, for it all comes from him. Number two, we need to trust him in the midst of difficulty, that nothing is coming to us that is outside of his hand. Everything is filtered by his love and his power. And third, we need to Stand confidently in his power and not fear the world and the patterns of the world as though somehow everything is falling apart and God must be up in heaven wringing his hands just like we can be down here on earth wringing our hands. We need to thank him. We need to recognize him. We need to trust him for he is the sovereign Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the God who is totally in control of all things. Help us to thank you for all of your goodness. Help us to believe that in the midst of the chaos and help us to trust you and stand firm on the rock of your sovereign care for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for 2 Kings 19. Tomorrow we're going to go on to chapter 20, and I hope you'll join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.